Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky, and disturbing children's books, films, and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, your other co-host is Adam Wybray. Today we're talking about the early 90s TV series Eerie Indiana, and you should also know that these podcasts are transcribed, so there'll be a full transcription in the show notes. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Ren. Hello, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. We're still here. We're still making this podcast just about. Um, yeah, ju- just about scrabbling through <laughs> lockdown uh, like like a pair of daddy long legs with a couple of <laughs> legs tweaked uh, off by an evil child. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, um, that sounds about right. Um, Covered but, in uh, lint. Covered in lint, just wafting around the ceiling. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we've uh, been held up uh, by my seeming inability to watch a series of a TV show by myself, but uh, I've managed it eventually. Um, and uh, we're here talking about Eerie Indiana, which is an American children's TV series from the early 90s. Uh, about a 13-year-old boy called Marshall Teller who lives in a small town called Erie, Indiana, which everyone else thinks is a perfectly normal American suburb, but Marshall says it's the centre of weirdness for the universe. Uh, which might be our claim of the week. Yeah, getting in early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, each episode centers around a different example of Eerie's weirdness um, with Marshall and his nine-year-old co-investigator, Simon, trying to get to the bottom of something creepy, spooky or disturbing happening in their town. My name is Marshall Teller. Not long ago, I was living in New Jersey, just across the river from New York City. It was crowded, polluted and full of crime. I loved it. But my parents wanted a better life for my sister and me. So we moved to a place so wholesome, so squeaky clean, you could only find it on TV. Unfortunately, nothing could be further from the truth. Sure, my new hometown looks normal enough, but look again. What's wrong with this picture? The American dream come true, right? Wrong. Nobody believes me, but this is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Thank you, little paper boy. Eerie Indiana, my home sweet home. Still don't believe me? You will. The show was first shown on NBC in the States from 1991 and then on Channel 4 in the UK during 1993, um, so which was before my time. Um, I don't know. Did you watch any of it? I would have. I would have still been mm. into Sesame Street and the like. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it would have gone over my head, to be honest. Um, yeah. But my partner, Antonia did watch it as a kid and so thoroughly recommended that I get on and watch it. Um, mm. But I don't think it's been repeated over here since. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, uh, which seems like a bit of a shame because I feel like the kind of off-kilter sense of humour um, would still appeal to to the, the zany youth of today with their internet <laughs> humour. Um and I think it's held up rather well in terms of mm. production values and, you know, generally the art directions 
yeah really good like if you compare this clearly has more money put into it than say round the twist mm-hmm. um and you know i really like round the twist and it's probably genuinely kind of stranger and queasier and just baffling <laughs> than eerie indiana but it's got some really shonky special effects whereas eerie indiana there's a little bit of shonk in the video editing mm-hmm. um but it holds up visually really well. Like there's some gorgeous mm. art direction, like the matte paintings for some of the sets, just spectacular. Hmm. Um, had you seen any episodes uh, before you watched it for the pod? Nope, not at all. <laughs> How about you? I had seen one episode. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> my friend Neil uh, recommended. Well, I watched it with him. Um, but that episode was a uh, reality takes a holiday, um, which, well is definitely one of the better episodes is not really one to <laughs> start with um which uh, we'll, we'll get into it but uh, yeah but perhaps not the best standalone episode no kind of canonically the last episode even though technically it wasn't the last episode yeah <laughs> um but yeah again neil's a, a few years older than um than either of us so he isn't sort of fondly remembered it from watching it on tv uh, um um yeah um so it's was it was it 18 episodes yeah uh, that sounds right yeah um and I 18 of... or 19 i guess the final episode um apparently aired for the first time in 1993 when it was syndicated on the disney channel so i guess huh. um yeah there was a bit of a sort of delay in that airing mm. um and then there was a a, a spin-off um, called Eerie Indiana, The Other Dimension, um, right. which I haven't watched any of. Um, it was on the Fox Kids Network, um, I think is possibly more solidly for kids. Um, mm. And yeah, slightly less interesting. But, you know, if somehow we run out of things to cover. <laughs> um, yep. Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely a few, like, really standout episodes in the series um, uh, that are probably the ones that people remember, mostly. I mean, I don't know. I say that. Then I was just talking to Ava, and um, she was like, the main thing she seemed to remember was um, Dash X with the X drawn on his hand. But, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think there are definitely some ones that are more, uh, more standout. Um, than others but um yeah sometimes it leans into being a bit goosebumpsy mm. like 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 sometimes it's the plot's not much more than there's some kind of strange creature or apparition and the boys have to investigate it and uh then there'll often be a kind of double pullback and reveal like oh actually it wasn't an alien it was some hoaxing an alien but actually, it was an alien. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's there's some of that, and uh, I have to admit that I kind of didn't maybe pay full attention to every episode. And some of them was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's <laughs> there's an alien, or maybe there's there's not an alien, or. There's I mean, I, yeah. There's some dogs talking. I, I uh, kind of get the gist, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly in it for Simon, uh, his little <laughs> nine-year-old friend, played by Justin Schenkerow, uh, who is just like aggressively <laughs> adorable. Like, <laughs> I feel kind of assailed by by how cute he is. Like, he's, he's yeah, he's incredibly delightful. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, 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 so. <laughs> Oh, of course, it's just joy incarnate. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Have you yeah. seen a photo of him as an adult? He's still acting and he still has an adorable face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's got a sort of YouTube channel going oh, on. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know, he still seems like a, he's like a good soul. He seems like a, a, a nice fella. But, um, yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's so, he's so good as Simon. Um, yeah. <laughs> like he really relishes the role of Simon. The character of Simon gets to have loads of things happen to him, like lots of sort of identity swaps and, you know, getting mm-hmm. really clever for one episode, uh, really boring and geeky for another episode and, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and so on. And, yeah, he, he really, really throws himself into it. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the performances from the child actors are, are generally generally very good. Um, yeah, Omri Katz as Marshall uh, yeah. does a really good sort of uh, bemused kind of expression, like, like the, <laughs> hey, this is pretty out there, but <laughs> what do you expect from Eerie kind of face? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know <laughs> if um, Jason Marsden as Dash X um, had to kind of keep up that croaky voice all the way through. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's really committed to sounding a bit like a young Tom Waits or something. Yeah, yeah. Film noir protagonist. Yeah, um, definitely. There's Jason Marsden, uh, who's got a YouTube channel, actually. Um, ah. And he's, uh, he's a really fun, fun guy. He was also the official voice of Max Goof, Goofy's son. Um, oh, yeah, since 1995. Wow. Uh, so, uh, Goofy Movie, which might also be a, a selection for oh, God, Still that, Scared that, 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 that really freaked me out, Adam. Yeah, yeah. That, that early, that, that, that nightmare <laughs> scene where he, he imagines himself going through <gasps> puberty. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a visceral discomfort. <laughs> genuinely scared me that movie. Yeah, same here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it just you just took the lid off something there. Uh, oh. <laughs> sorry, that's nice. It's been a while since I've done that. That brings me back to the earlier episode of Scared, scared <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's been a year or two since 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 we've really. Really lifted the lid on something, <laughs> but yeah, all, all the child actors are, are really kind of committed and seem to be having a good time. Like you really get the sense that this was a very fun show. Like, yeah, but Simon is the most adorable. Oh yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, I, I kind of lose interest when Simon's not on screen. Um, to, to, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, so, uh-huh. did you want to focus particularly on a kind of few representative episodes? Yeah, yeah, I think um, that makes sense. Um, it's a, my my personal favourites, um, but also uh, happen to be like one like the the first episode, the one from the middle of the series, and then one reality takes a holiday that should have been the last episode but wasn't. Um, but <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, we can go through those and like. Um, Sure, we'll have things to say about other episodes as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll hoover up. We'll hoover up bits, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, there, um, there will be the crumbs on the on the carpet, and these will be the uh, big banana splits on on the canteen table. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't know what. Uh-huh. Don't know which canteen has a carpet actually, but uh, anyway. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> um, so we start with uh, Forever Wear, which. Uh, is the first episode um, and uh, is great. <laughs> yeah, it was directed by Joe Dante um, of uh, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, um, and, and obviously Gremlins as well. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it definitely has that kind of off-kilter, zany energy that uh, tends to define his films. Mm. Uh, lots of... Uh, Lots of really kind of wild-eyed, over-egged performances and canted angles and mm-hmm. wide, wide-angle shots, etc. Yeah, I was um, I was interested in how you describe the, uh, <laughs> the 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 technical camera stuff about it because I'm like, oh, it's definitely doing things. I'm sure, Adam will know what they are. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, it'd be like the kind of stuff Terry Gilliam does, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, it's all very bug-eyed and the. Uh, Hyper real and just super vivid. Yeah. Um, like really, che- really cheese dreamy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, Forever Wear is a, a kind of a kind of retelling of the Stepford Wives with a uh, multi-level marketing. Um, which, yeah, incidentally, I read the Stepford Wives the first time this year and. Uh. Uh, it's it's really good. I recommend okay. it. It's a good. Book. Oh, great. Um, but um, yeah. So the 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 Teller family have just moved to Erie from New Jersey, and uh, 
Marshall's mum, Marilyn, who's um, who's kind of kind of chill and meant to be a bit disorganised, is uh, is pressed into joining the uh, local circle of extremely house proud women, uh, led by Betty Wilson, um, who wants to sell Marilyn on the forever wear Tupperwares that they're all devoted to, that promise to keep things fresh forever. Um, and uh, then in a kind of gloriously creepy twist it turns out that it's uh, not just food that the foreverware keeps fresh but also people as uh, marshall and simon discover that betty wilson's twins have been stuck in the seventh grade for 30 years and uh, break into the house in the night to unseal them from their plastic preservative tupperware beds um so uh it's it's a particularly good image of these uh, human-sized Tupperware at night, kind of filled with dry ice, and Marshall and Simon peeling back the lids. Yeah, good horror. Good horror, and yeah, good. I say good. I keep coming back to the kind of art direction and mm. the, just the props in this show. Like, mm. um, it's as I say, it does use sort of video editing effects. And things, but really the standout aspect of the show for me are just these often sort of ginormous props, <laughs> like like the, the massive Tupperware style containers, for instance. Yeah. Um, like uh, you know, I'd love to go to a, like a theme park with like the objects from this show mm. just everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I mean they really sell it, like you know. It, you need like that kind of popping Tupperware lid kind of effect. <laughs> it doesn't just pop, it goes fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Good, good, good stuff. Um, yeah, and I like the fact that it's it's shown to be. <laughs> okay, I think. Might be going out on a bit of a limb here, right? But I feel like Erie, Indiana is a pretty deaf-positive show. That mm-hmm. generally, I would say, the show that is generally seen as a bad idea to try to kind of keep things the way they were or keep things um, kind of unchanging uh, or try to sort of preserve something or... In, instead, mm. um, it's very open to change, and that sometimes that means loss, and sometimes that means change in family or family dynamics. Um, mm. Sometimes that means death and losing someone. Um, it's definitely got, yeah, this this sort of real theme of kind of you know let it go, basically. Mm. Um, I'm thinking also of the uh, ca- uh, the bank robber ghost in the, the hole in the head gang yeah yeah um for instance who who can't let go of the fact that he's the world's worst bank robber and so he's you know and wants to re-rob the bank uh, and can't quite let go of life and you know, Mark Marshall basically say, says oh you know lots of people are dead you know it's, it's not so bad you know <laughs> you, you'll have company uh, come on it, it's all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh yeah i think that's it that's uh yeah an interesting an interesting call um i'm just like looking through the other yeah well obviously ghost episodes tend towards that there's also uh uh, the dead letter the one with toby mcguire yes 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 um, so very, very young, sort of fay and theatrical Toby Maguire. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, he he's hanging around and won't leave until Marshall delivers this uh, this letter from him. Mm. Um, or, or even say tornado days um, when you've got the meteorologist who he can't let go of the fact that he led these other people to their deaths, and you know he's just been fixated, sort of. Captain Ahab, Moby Dick style, with chasing <laughs> down this tornado. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I mean, you could you could even say before we, I mean, we'll go on to discuss it, that even reality takes a holiday is about uh, Marshall not being able to move on with the fact that uh, he's not going to be the star of this show forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good call. Now, I mean, there is, and there is a certain preoccupation with, uh, with lost things as well. Yeah. Um, like two, well, there's a, uh, what we're going to talk about the lost hour next, but, um, there's also, uh, the episode, I don't know what it's called. Episode four. Uh, um, the, the Losers, it's called. Ah, uh-huh. okay, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> which uh, which has this rather um, Brazil-like Bureau of the Lost with a kind of duct spewing goo and clanking machinery and bleeping terminals and apothecary mm-hmm. shelves and uh, a, a certified misappropriation engineer yeah. who is... a. Uh, stimulating the economy by um, <laughs> uh, taking people's stuff so they have to replace it. Their <laughs> <laughs> uh, best defense for burglary in court. <laughs> I did it to stimulate the economy. Um, yeah. Um. So do you think that Foreverware sets the tone for the series. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because it sounds like you're particularly keen on it, so presumably some of yes. the other episodes um, didn't quite stand up to it for you. I um I, I I did particularly like it and I mean I liked I particularly liked the creepiness of it and um perhaps there isn't as much as much creepiness as I as I might, as I might like. <laughs> um, I, I prefer the creepier ones. Um, yeah, I think, especially by the time you get to around sort of episode seven, there's this sort of short run which is all about Marshall uh-huh. falling in love with different <laughs> girls, seemingly, <laughs> which is quite irritating and off-putting. And I don't know if they were just trying to, like turn sorry I forgot his name um, trying to turn Omri Katz I mean, into some kind of teen heartthrob mm. he does have the 90s curtains for it that is true um, and I have to say <laughs> there's a lot of pretty fabulous hair in this series um, you know Simon, Simon's got his uh, wonderfully sort of bouncy cherubic curls Um and then Dash yeah, X yeah. obviously has um, has his grey hair. Um, yeah, th- this this that that whole bit with I did zone out a bit to be honest about the uh, Marshall and his uh, romantic endeavours. Um, well, I always say it's like he's you know he's thirteen going on fourteen, um, and you kind of feel like <laughs> you know come on g- give it a few years, Marshall. You don't need to be messing around with you know like 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 <laughs> yeah you know it just isn't very interesting basically you know like like he's interested in all these sort of uh, exciting mysteries and it's like oh but the biggest <laughs> like, mystery is, is the it? human heart mm. yetis and vampires and all of that that's you know that's a bit more a bit more exciting yeah, really one of the reasons why simon's so great because he's <laughs> he's younger and more it doesn't really care about these things. Um. Yeah, that's true. And generally, when you have episodes where Marshall's sort of getting distracted from the mystery, Simon <laughs> gives them quite short um. shrift for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe um, Foreverware is like um, the the best execution of like a creepy concept, um, but. Of a of a kind that comes back throughout the series, um, like you know, there are other sort of weird, sort of twisted takes on everyday things, like the uh, the one with the, um, the 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 man in the bank telling machine. Uh, oh yeah, I quite I quite like that one. Um, yeah, he's a sort uh-huh. of an over-friendly ATM uh, yeah, man. He looks a bit like uh, 
what do you call him, Max? What's he called? Virtual, <laughs> plastic head virtual Max. <laughs> well, I'll try Googling that, but it probably won't work. Plastic head virtual Max. On Max Street, Max. Uh, Max Headroom. Okay, okay. Um, it worked. Uh, um, Max, Max Headroom. Okay. Do you not, do you want to, if you. Okay. Yeah, Headroom is one word. Oh, yeah, it does look a bit like that. Yeah. Um, ah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> cool. Who's huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who's uh, created by Marshall's dad. Um, oh, yeah, we should probably mention Marshall's yes. dad um, uh, is an inventor. Like, like the father in Gremlins, in fact, you know. Uh, but perhaps a bit, <laughs> yeah. with a bit more corporate um, respectability. Yeah, he, yeah, and he, sort of things he's inventing kind of uh, come up tangentially throughout the series. Um, I do you have any examples? I, I... oh gosh, um, he invents oh, hot and hot, hot and cold running smoothies. Oh, is something he's working on. Um, yeah, but, to, yeah. To be fair, they, I don't think they made that much use of the fact that he's an inventor. <laughs> all things considered, no. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, yeah, he. I kind of you, you know that he is an inventor, but he also just kind of seems like generic suit dad. Yeah. Um. Um. Who's who's thirty five. Oh, don't, 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 don't tell me that, please. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Ren. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyway. Um, That's mean. Um, 33, 33. I have two more years. That guy is it's weird, isn't it? Like looking at yeah. these figures and like, oh, they're an adult. And they're like, oh, I'm an adult. Donald <laughs> saw me on television. They say, look at that adult. <laughs> and I still find it a bit weird when I walk down the street and, you know, some parent says, oh, you know, Mind out of the way of that man, you know, or, you know, mm. or watch out for that man cycling dangerously or what, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever's being said about me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I always have that moment of slight misrecognition. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What were we saying? Yeah. He invents this, um, this automated, tell a man who um who then uh tries to uh, bribe simon into being friends with him uh by giving him money um <laughs> it's quite quite sad well um, i think a lot of the stuff surrounding simon's quite sad because it's not heavily played upon but like he's got a really either absent or abusive family or like his parents so he's always at Marshall's, and he's basically adopted into the family. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there was a line in uh, the Alien one, uh, Marshall's theory of believability, mm. um, where you know M- Marshall basically her characters are revealed as a fraud, and Marshall's you know quite disillusioned, and his sort of dad says, "Look, there's only one thing you can really rely on, and that's that you know your parents love you," and Simon like gets out of tissue and is crying, and I think it's meant to be like, oh, he's you know, oh, that's so sentimental and tough. But like, yeah, you know, if if you see Simon as someone who's you know, basically isn't loved by his parents, I was like, oh my, that's pretty awful. I just found it really heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and um, also, you know, Simon's the best. Why, why would, well, yeah, you know, so. what awful parents to reject Simon? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a bit. It is a little bit of a theme, I would say, in the show. Um, sort of neglectful parents. Yeah, um, yeah, because we have um, Sarah Bob. Um, is she the one with the uh, the special pencil, like sort of penny yeah, crayon? Yeah, pen, penny penny crayon girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um, oh, she she names herself Sarah Sue at the end, but she um, she lives with her with her her horrible dad and her horrible brothers who like make her do everything for them. Yeah, it's a bit of a kind of Cinderella story. Yeah. 
Um, um, and, you know, and they're really, I mean, you know, they're very broadly drawn, but yeah, they're shown mm. to be, you know, incredibly crass and just really mean and bullying and unpleasant. Um, yeah. And then there's the episode, which I think is officially the last episode, The Broken Record, with mm, Odd, oh, yeah. the kind of nerdy um, friend. God, that one's sad. Yeah, yeah, with this really verbally, you know, abusive, bullying father who kind of gets into mm. punk rock. Um, so, yeah, it, it is. One thing I like about the show, I guess, is that for all its zaniness, it is quite oddly melancholy. Mm. I don't know if that's yeah. because of the kind of theme of loss uh, and sort of people who have gone missing or are absent. Um, but, yeah, I do think... It has an interesting tone. Hmm. I kind of, <laughs> I don't know, when you said melancholy, it made me think of the world of stuff, <laughs> which is quite a central location in the show, which is this, this weird shop that's also a kind of diner. Um, yeah, like milkshake bar. Yeah, um, and just uh, sells all kinds of just tat and nonsense. Um, but they're, they're, there's quite, they're there quite a lot. It's, it turns up in, in lots of the episodes. Um, and, uh, and, and it's kind of this sort of quite big old kind of barn like building with all these really high shelves and sort of dusty objects on them. And it, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It has a very particular atmosphere, I think. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. I think it's part of the show. It's very much set in kind of small town America. Mm. Um, and it does feel, I mean, it's not it's Indiana, so it's not like the Rust Belt, but like it feels like, you know, it's corn country, right? Mm-hmm. And it does feel like an area that's slightly obsolete almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a surprising amount of stuff in the background about finances, right? And the town not having very much money. Mm-hmm. Like this crops up quite a lot and they have this sort of greedy mayor who's always, you know, seizing on things to try to bring more money into the town. Um, yeah, the town always does feel like it's like slightly in crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, you know, it, it could end up becoming like ghost town basically you know mm. that that there's always it feels yeah exactly like things are almost on the edge of shutting down yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um which is probably a good uh, a good point to introduce uh, the lost hour mm. um, <laughs> um which uh, is an episode i really enjoyed um but uh, we learn at the top of the episode that there's no daylight savings time in Indiana uh, because uh, the farmers say the cows would get confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, um, Marshall's dad tells that to, to Marshall and and Simon, and Marshall's incredibly indignant that he doesn't get his extra hour um, and decides he's going to set his watch back an hour anyway. Um, but he, when he does this, uh, when he wakes up, uh, everyone else has disappeared. And he goes onto the street and there's sinister garbage collectors and mirror shades and jackboots who are sort of walking menacingly towards him. But he's uh, rescued by an elderly milkman who tells him that he's ended up in the lost hour. Mm. (laughs) So it's a real Twilight Zone for kids episode. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) And... uh, the milkman explains that the the garbage collectors are there to clear up things or people that are messing up the space time continuum, and uh, Marshall is now one of them. Uh, one of the things that's messing up. Um, Marshall looks in in the back of the milk truck and sort of sees through the window his family and Simon at breakfast uh, without him. Uh, but instead of the the missing girl who was on the milk carton the other day, it's himself on there. <laughs> Um, so he figures out that he needs to find the girl who was on the milk carton and heads to the world of stuff and even more desolate than usual but there there is Janet who is a honestly a style icon I, I loved what she was wearing. oh yeah yeah 
<laughs> it's this kind of military jacket covered in like badges and medals and like a compass <laughs> and like tassels. Uh, it's great. Um, and um, she's um, she's not very pleased to see him and kind of it's, has resigned herself that like she just thinks that everyone else has like disappeared somewhere and like she's like on her own. Um, but eventually he persuades her to look in the back of the milk truck uh, where she sees her family who are devastated at losing her. Um, the milkman tells Marshall and Janet that they need to get back before the hour is up or they'll be lost for another year. Um, and Marshall manages to communicate to Simon through the through his image on the milk carton and tell him that he needs to fix Marshall's watch Um which uh, Simon manages to do, and both Marshall and Janet are reunited with the main timeline. Um, but uh, not before the uh, elderly milkman drops the bombshell that he's uh, Marshall's far future self. Oh, yeah! <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Um, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I, I really like this one. Like, it's really neatly constructed. Um, mm. Like, there are some episodes where it feels like the show spins its wheels a bit, whereas it, this one is, um, yeah, twist and turn after twist and turn. And it's one that would have really scared me as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. You know, anything, uh, I guess, with weird ontology right like uh mm. things like something metaphorical being literal um <laughs> yeah <laughs> used to really freak me out as a kid um yeah so. accidentally slipping into another reality yeah yeah meaning to yeah those kind of fears were really real to me when i was little um mm. so yeah i think i would have found that episode really creepy um mm. It actually reminds me of um, an Alan Olberg story um, that I read when I was young and made quite a big impression on mm. me about um, an elderly woman. It's, it, it's meant to have quite a night. I think it's meant to be a kind of bittersweet, and melancholy, but quite nice story that kind of scared me as a kid um, about this old woman who um, has squirreled away, you know, saved a few hours for herself. <laughs> um, through the years so when she's on her deathbed she's able to then go back to you know being eight years old and uh, use the two hours she saved then and then you know goes forward when she was in her oh. and so on um, and mm. yet, yeah I don't know that idea of, of time being displaced right like mm. the lost hour and the kind of time out of time yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like the um, the girl in the painting in the witches as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or um, the start of the Darkest Rising books. Um, just remember the character um, going downstairs and like their house sort of being frozen, basically. Uh, I can't remember mm. if all the people, if their family are frozen too, um, and then when they leave the house, they're in this sort of medieval realm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's that, it's that kind of in-between moment that's scary, where they're sort mm. of not quite in one time, not quite in another. Yeah, yeah. I think that definitely hits on uh, a potent childhood fear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. And uh, the episode directed by the wonderfully named uh, Bob Balaban. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban. Yeah. Great. What great name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Um, I like the fact yeah. that you've you've chosen episodes with different directors. So you know, the first one was Joe Dante. Um, you haven't chosen any episodes directed by Sam Hillsbury, um, mm -hmm. who, who directed The ATM with the Heart of Gold, um, and who also directed Free Willy 3, The Rescue, uh, oh, Night yeah. Rider 2010, and Zandali. You, <laughs> huh? Okay, you remember when we used to do the Nicholas Cage blog? 
Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Zandali is that film where Nick plays the artist and he has this mental breakdown near the end and goes, black it all out, and, like, covers himself with black paint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember that. Okay, one. yeah, you might have repressed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. um, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's certainly a, a pedigree. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I think I think it's probably somewhere between. Uh, I think it's after the last hour, but before. Well, obviously, before reality takes holiday, that we we meet the kind of third main character um uh, dash x who is a, a strange gray-haired raspy voiced kid oh um who's kind of set up as marshall's antagonist kind of towards the end of the series um yeah is like a curious character <laughs> yeah and it feels like you get a sense that these mysteries about him are being set up, like, you know, is he an alien? You know, where does he come from? And they're never properly resolved, which I quite like, that he, he remains enigmatic mm. to the right to the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know, he's an oddly charming character. He's very charismatic. Um, but, yeah, he's also, you know, really out for himself. Um but then, you know, he's he's kind of got amnesia and he's all alone in the world. He's just a kid. So, um, you know, like, like I was I was kind of complaining a bit about Dash X, um, Antonio, and like, oh, like he's so mercenary. And Antonio's like, well, yeah, but, you know, he has to be. Um, which is, is, you know, is a fair, is a fair point. Um, you know, he's, he's living in like an abandoned building and having to steal food and... Mm-hmm. Um, go dumpster diving to eat. So, you know, it, it makes sense that he's uh, he's sometimes got to put his own interests first. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he turns up in the episode with the ghosts in the in the mill. And, and then he just sort of hangs around and, uh, mm. you know, sometimes comes up with schemes to make money. Yeah. Um, so in the loyal order of corn, for instance, he somehow, even though you know he must only be fourteen or whatever, gets this job at the club, um, yeah. so he can kind of find answers about his past. Um, so yeah, he's always sort of wheeling and dealing. Um, yeah, the yeah. loyal order of corn's a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a particularly cheese dreamy one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Yes, uh, the Marshall's dad uh, joins the uh the, the the corn the corn masons, um where they, they uh they wear corn hats and call each other Brother Husker and uh um and and, and <laughs> sing a song. And sing a song. Um, <laughs> we are we gonna sing it together? Oh, okay. But, okay, <laughs> it'd be horrible. No, it'll, it'll be it'll be We just need to like you know add some you know, vocalizer or whatever. Oh, okay, right, right, okay. Hail to thee, O hills of splendor, joyously we pledge our job. We declare our such allegiance to protect your kingly cob. That's enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. We don't want to hemorrhage listeners. Not that many, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford uh, to lose more than a stanza of singing, I don't think. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, since, since, since we're singing, uh, before we forget, we could go on, mm. our, go on to our text of the week. Yeah, I think we should. This <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, good. 
Texture. 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 I thought that this sort of plaster hand I've got could be used as an instrument, uh, but apparently not, sadly. Uh, mm. Alas. But, back it goes. It's a nice ornament. Yeah. It's got little smiley faces on the fingertips. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, all right. Uh, so my texture of the week is from... An episode I didn't actually like very much, but I did like the texture, um, which is Mr. Cheney, uh, which is a werewolf-based episode. Uh, yeah. Marshall is chosen as the Harvest King, and he must go and face a werewolf in the forest. Um, and the texture of Mr. Cheney's face um, <laughs> when he transforms into a werewolf is astonishing. Um, <laughs> like, it's a really robbery latex mask. Uh, uh-huh. and they kind of do the transition through a kind of weird video editing effect. Yeah. Um, and so his face morphs awfully into this latex mask. And like I, I kept trying to sort of pause it on the morphing. And <laughs> uh, it just looked like this sort of bubbling, hairy mass. Like, <laughs> like a really weird texture because it both looked really fake and digital and really kind of material and hairy and mm. oozy yeah yeah that was <laughs> yeah not not a good episode really but uh a, mm. yeah a great a great texture mm, cool um my, my texture is um is marshall's whole museum of horror oh. uh, he usually puts an item related to the goings-on of the episode at the end um so it includes such such textual items as a petrified bologna sandwich, <laughs> a Polaroid of a UFO, a retainer that gives the owner the ability to hear dog's thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, a white gloved hand from a robot ATM mascot, and a pair of zombie glasses deemed the ultimate tool of mental fascism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's uh, I mean that, that that's episode sixteen, Loyal Order of Corn. Um, mm-hmm. There's another financially based episode next with zombies in PJs, um, which the town are tricked into buying objects on credit. Oh yes, um, yeah. Uh, thus damning themselves to hell in the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then the next episode, which should be the last episode is reality takes a holiday uh, mm. directed by ken quapis yeah um so um this is a, a spectacularly four-four breaking episode um in which uh, the rest of marshall's family and simon go to the cinema and marshall stays behind but when he goes to the mailbox he finds the script for the episode he's currently in uh, he goes back into the house, but it's turned into a film set. Everyone's calling him Omri, and no one he knows is acting like themselves. Um, he uh, goes to the world of stuff and uh, finds Radford, who's uh, the owner, um, who's the only person who's not acting meta. Uh, but then Radford brings out a script, and Marshall realises that if there's a script, there must be a writer somewhere. Um he he bursts into the writer's office to to find Dash X in there, who's uh, busy trying to make himself the main character and kill off Marshall. Um, Marshall manages to trick the stri- scriptwriter into leaving the set and sneaks into the office and uh, rewrites the script so he doesn't get uh, unceremoniously shot by Dash X. Um, he goes down to the. Uh, the family breakfast table set and uh, sort of tries to delay the filming um, by asking about his character's motivation, which they say, uh, your motivation is you say a few lines, you go outside, you get shot and you die. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the rewrites come just in time. Uh, they get the new scripts and uh, 
Marshall says action and uh, the world morphs back into his reality. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very cool concept in a, a fun episode, which has all these kind of alternate reality sort of tropes of these kind of characters we've come to know suddenly acting uh, opposite to what we expect. Um, uh, yeah. And it feels like, you know, the actors are kind of sending themselves up mm-hmm. as well, um, which is a lot of fun. So, uh, Justin Schenkerell, um, playing himself now or a type rather than siren, you know, is just absolutely brash and awful and <laughs> just playing himself as like the most sort of entitled child actor to yeah. ever live. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <Yeah>. really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, it, it really does manage to get across that kind of panic of a nightmare and mm-hmm. things unraveling the ground slipping away from beneath your feet. Uh, well, also, yeah, just being a really, a really neat ending to a series. Mm. I mean, I, I kind of wish almost that we had got a second season about Dash X. Um, but, mm. uh, you know, I really like the idea that, you know, with Marshall being written out. So, you know, the show kind of gets <laughs> written out of existence as well. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I have all that much more to say about it, but um, it's just a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is probably not the right one to watch first. No. Um, but, you know, if you are interested in dipping into Eerie Indiana, I think those episodes you've chosen are good ones. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I'm quite fond of the ATM with the Heart of Gold. Um, mm. Uh no brain, no pain, um, which is the one with the uh, apparently homeless man who's actually a genius who's had his brain uh, uh, kind of yeah. stolen. Uh, has a really nice kind of feels. Um, it feels very much like the kind of French cinema du look, like kind of Luc Besson film or something. Um, it's got a kind of fifth elementy vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I think the um, I helpfully didn't write down any of the episode names. Uh, episode six, the one with the um, the one with the uh, optometrist and the uh, the no fun glasses. Uh, yeah, just say no fun. Just say no fun. Um, uh, deserves a, a, an honourable mention if if only for the 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 brilliant kind of I don't know the montage when they when they go to the optometrist and it's kind of... Oh, yeah! It's all, everything's kind of spinning and... <laughs> and they have that kind of surrealist freak-out montage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and, and Shankaro's really great, um, you know, <laughs> play, play, playing this really boring version of Simon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I kind of hope that if if Shankaro, if you're listening to this, you know, let it be known that you were the best darn thing about Erie, Indiana. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's so good. Um. <laughs> so so any, any other kind of thoughts about the show? Like, how, how do you think it compares um, to other kind of shows of its ilk? Let's say we've set it mm. against... Um, Round the twist. Yeah, I mean, I think it. Um, they're definitely uh, related. I think Iriandiana is kind of more contained and less uh, wacky and scatological. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's certainly true. <laughs> um, um, I think. Uh, it does. It it does have this sort of. I was saying this kind of slightly melancholy, subdued, sort of dusty <laughs> feeling to it. Um, kind of, yeah, just kind of being in this sort of forgotten place. Um, so I think it's uh, it's it's quite uh, its tone is quite distinct. I think. 
Yeah, oh, and it's probably um, also worth mentioning, finally, um, that there's a whole bunch of Eerie Indiana spin-off books. Oh. Um, like, quite a lot. Um, mm. on, looking on Wikipedia, uh, there's 17 of them, in fact. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, you know, I, I think these are characters in the kind of world that have a lot of fun with um you know it'd be a very easy show to write fan fiction about mm. i think yeah i think it, it has i think it, it probably uh I, I don't know if it was a great show for me <laughs> to to just like binge watch um because i think um it, it's a kind of show it has a lot of great great moments and sort of weird sort of memorable ideas um but not all of the episodes are particularly exciting <laughs> yeah i think i think that's fair um like i i wouldn't you know i've also been watching uh during lockdown the simpsons from from its start to heaven <laughs> knows where i mean into season nine so i'm, I'm now having to kind of Anthony and i oh, have to cover you know how much further we're gonna go yeah, yeah. um and yeah, you know, at The Simpsons at its best, say, you know, seasons, I don't know, three through six, you know, are just relentlessly mm. good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a sort of stunning episode after stunning episode. Um, yeah. And yeah, Eerie Indiana is not quite a classic in that sense, um, but it's a really likable show. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it definitely deserves to be remembered. Yeah, no, definitely. Um yeah, it's, it's it's really kind of charming. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and and I think it does have quite a few sort of sticky ideas. You know, I can definitely imagine if you watched it when you were a kid, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, remember that?" Mm, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I think I definitely recommend it. Sort of dipping into a few episodes. And, Although I will add that my DVD box set was completely terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the episode listings are like wrong. Um, oh. So one DVD has like it has the same episodes as the previous DVD, but one different. Mm. Uh, for instance, mm. like, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> um, so I did. I did get to watch all the episodes, but yeah, they they do not match up to what's on each of the individual slipcases so yeah oh that is the other thing about it um it isn't really on any uh any streaming services um uh at least in the uk um i don't think so uh we, we, we both bought the dvd box set yeah. so uh might be a little hard to 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 get a hold of just to dip into a few episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but um yeah yeah if well yeah if you're an american or even Canadian listener, for instance, you might find it easier. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, should we ra- yeah. wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. Um, oh, I've just found a few bonus textures at the bottom of my um, notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, kids stroking the bristles of a giant toothbrush. Mm. It, this was in the No Fun Glasses episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, a crow wearing a nappy. No idea where that was. But, uh, I can't. I can't even remember that. Uh, it happened. And oh, Cindy's tornado day costume. Oh, okay. That was, yeah, that's a that's a good choice for a texture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot a lot of good costumes. A lot of nineties fashion as well in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, um, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Sorry. It's been so, so long. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Did an episode, but, um, Hey, ho. um, <laughs> I'll maybe, maybe not watch a, a series with quite so many episodes next time. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Expediency do... sakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by, Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. Um, you can find details of their stuff in the show notes. Um, 
You can find us on Twitter at StillScaredPod or email us email us at StillScaredPodcast at gmail.com. Um, do you have a sign off for us, Adam? Yeah, I was going to keep it simple and say, uh, mm. keep it eerie, creepy kids. Yeah, keep it eerie. Bye. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs> cool.